Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We continue our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series today. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Today we're heading to California. Our guest is Deaconess Pamela Bailey Silva at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Rockland, California. Thanks so much for joining us today, Deaconess. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. We are looking forward to sharing your story because you have a really unique story and a beautiful one, too. And also, you're a very busy person, (laughs) which means you are getting ready for a really big trip. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But we're sharing the story of how you became a deaconess today, which is really exciting. So when did you first start learning about the Office of Deaconess? You know, I'd sort of heard about deaconesses. You know, because I became a parish nurse in my in my thirties, and so I sort of heard about deaconesses, but I really didn't know anything about them until I went to Kenya in two thousand six, and that's really where I met some just incredible women. Served the Lutheran Church of Kenya, and I saw their mercy and their humility and their just amazing generosity. And I, I honestly said the words, that's who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Especially when you discover something like that, when you're not an 18-year-old anymore and you find people who are, who are the people that are doing the work that you want to do. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, you mentioned yeah. you were a parish nurse. Tell us a little bit about your uh, vocation, your career before you went into deaconess formation. Yeah, so I actually, I'm also a registered nurse. And so I was a registered nurse for many years. And a friend of mine, a colleague said, hey, Pamela, I just went to this seminar and I think that you would really like this. And it was on parish nursing. And so I started exploring that and actually went through a program offered through MECWAN, Concordia MECWAN, and got a certificate in parish nursing and served at Holy Cross for many years, beginning in 1996, both kind of as a volunteer and then with a stipend and still continuing my work and my other vocation as a nurse. So, yeah. So there's that story transition, too. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about what brought you to Kenya. You mentioned earlier on a trip to Kenya is when you learned about deaconesses. What brought you to Kenya? Yeah, so actually it was a very dear colleague now, but a seminary professor, Dr. Arthur Just, who had come to Holy Cross to lead a retreat. And he was talking about uh, Luke's gospel and, and Christ's healing in Luke's gospel and mercy. And I was so taken by what he had to say. And at that point, I was working as a parish nurse at Holy Cross, so... We began to, you know, have some conversations, and he then became head of deaconess studies at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, and I happened to see him at a Reformation service when he was in town, and he said something like, you know, I'm going to Kenya, and I I really need a a nurse to go, and I thought of you. Would you be interested? And I thought, "Mm, okay, but you know how those conversations go. 
And lo and behold, a few months later, <laughs> I get an email and would you want to go to Kenya? And, and uh, to be honest with you, I, really, I've never, I'm not one of those people that always wanted to go to Africa. I really did not want to go to Africa. I was very scared. And my daughter, who was in high school at the time, says, Mom, you've got to go. And so that's that's how I got invited to go. And the reason that he wanted a nurse to come, and particularly a parish nurse that had a little bit of theological underpinning, was the that was the time of the great HIV-AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. And so people were dying literally every single day. And that epidemic left an estimated 1 million kids orphaned. So at that point, the not only the the country and the community, but the church was grappling with how do we address such such a disease, such an epidemic that carries with it so much shame and stigma? How do we show mercy? And at the same time, come to understand HIV AIDS and what it really what really causes it and what prevents it and how do we deal with all the myths surrounding this dreadful disease. I mean, literally people were being, if they even thought that someone had HIV AIDS because they had, they were skinny or something, they call it the skinny disease. Many people would just be cast out of their families. Some people, they might disown them and put them in a chicken coop. I mean, literally. So it was really dire and that was, yeah, so that was my first visit to Kenya was kind of dealing with that and teaching pastors and deaconesses. That's an incredible introduction to a place <laughs> that you're now uh, heavily involved in. And I want to I want to know more about the story. We'll get there, but let's talk more about what happened after that. And you said you, you saw these women working in Kenya and wanted to be them when you grew up. So what was that transition like for you making that decision to do deaconess formation? How did that happen Mm. for you? Uh, So, you know, I was 46 at the time, (laughs) kind of going, what, you know, what does this, what does this mean that I'm wanting to do this? And it was a kind of just began to have this conversation really with Dr. Jess, who was head of, head of the program at the time and saying, you know, I know there's women like me that really want to learn about this and, and study and, and possibly become a deaconess, but I've, my family's here and I, you know, my husband's working here. I can't just leave California and maybe there's, maybe there's a possibility of an online or distance learning kind of program. And, and they had been thinking about that at the seminary already. And so really one of them, actually began to start and in, in, I took my first class and then the official program began a little bit later and I began deaconess studies from afar and then would be on campus a couple times a year for intensives and that program is still up and running and going strong so yeah we were I was one of the, the first the first classes there which is quite exciting. Who were your key supports through that formation, through the, all the learning and um, all, all that experience of deaconess formation? Wow. Well, I'd have to say my very patient husband. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
was still working and spending hours and hours studying and uh, going from a, a profession of nursing, which is all science-based, to a a learning environment, which is language kind of, you know, art-based, theological basis, a very different kind of learning curve for me, but wonderful. And my now sainted mother, who is also a nurse and, and quite supportive. And I would say really the the professors at the seminary, the ones that were really involved in deaconess studies, Dr. Busher and Dr. Just and the other deaconesses that I was studying with, they were very inspiring. And of course, my sister deaconesses in Kenya, because they were the ones that I sort of held in my my mind as I wondered, what am I why am I doing this? Why am, what, why am I going back to school and, and, and looking at this, this vocation? And I, you know, I would re- be reminded of their, their sort of selfless service and recognizing that it, being a deaconess is not about accolades or climbing the ladder, but really about learning how do we serve Christ and his church by serving one another, wherever God places us. Mm -hmm. How did your previous experience as a nurse and then as a parish nurse, as an an RN and a parish nurse, how did that prepare you for learning about the mercy work that happens as a deaconess? Because those things are, are, can be very tightly tied together Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're, when you're showing mercy to people in in a very physical way. How did that experience as a nurse help you with your deaconess studies and your formation? Yeah, you know, I think nursing and deaconess studies blend together and support each other very well. Mm -hmm. I sort of look at the vocation of deaconess centers around mercy. And so I like to say, you know, we take care of body and soul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God has made us body, mind, spirit. And we really can't separate those, even though, you know, in America, I think we tend to do that quite well, right? We compartmentalize. But let's say that, you know, someone's in the hospital with some physical ailment. We know that their emotions are affected and often their their spiritual life or their soul is affected. And so being a nurse allows me to recognize and have some expertise and some illnesses and some of the things that happen when people are sick and how to help manage them when they go home. And the deaconess work, I think what that gives people is you have this great theological foundation from the studies at um, the seminary. And so it gives us, I think, a broader language to articulate things like theology of the cross and how do we interpret suffering through the lens of Christ? And what what is mercy? And how do we be comfortable sitting with someone in their sorrow and their suffering? So yeah, for me, the blending of the two vocations has been really helpful. And I still re- I use both of them when I go visit someone. We're learning about becoming a deaconess as a second career with Deaconess Pamela Bailey Silva. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series, learning about becoming a deaconess from Deaconess Pamela Bailey Silva. She's an RN, registered nurse, and serves with Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Rockland, California, and also is uh, venturing into some great work, Mm -hmm. mercy work around the globe as well. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about one of your early trips to Kenya being really a a pivotal moment in looking toward the future and what you wanted to do and really playing a key role in becoming a deaconess. So came back to the States and considered it, went through deaconess formation. Now you've gone through that formation, serve a congregation where you were also serving as parish nurse before. Tell me more about trips to Africa and other parts of the globe that have have been important for you. Yeah, so since 2006, I think I've I've lost count. I think I've been to Kenya 13 times. I've also been to Sudan and Tanzania and Madagascar and India. And primarily, those trips were centered around teaching deaconesses about mercy or theology of the cross or palliative care and grief and loss, very some different kinds of subjects. So that was really the focus of most of those trips. And as I began to make home visits with deaconesses, particularly in Kenya, I could see the devastation of not only people that suffered from HIV AIDS, but cancer, diabetes, just diseases that we're sort of leaving people really without any care. So I just began to look at this as recognizing that because of all the the people that were dying, there were really no facilities or places for them to go at the time. And in the back of my mind, it's like, we got to do something to help these people. And that's kind of where the the little seed began for the work that I'm, I'm doing now, but yeah. So what what does your deaconess work look like now? What do you do as a, you're a deaconess in California? How is that work connected to the work that you're doing globally too? Okay, yeah. So part of my deaconal work is you know visiting people who are sick, who are shut in helping them make the transition from hospital to home. Perhaps it's sitting with someone whose spouse is dying and then continuing to follow them during their grief and bereavement. I do writing, devotional writing. I teach Bible classes. I help teach catechism. There's a lot of things like that. And then connected with that, so that, you know, that's mercy work in its own, in its own particular place in California. Connected with that is also helping 
our congregation and different congregations see that the work that Christ gives us is really all over the globe. So it's not just, even though I go to Kenya, I take everyone with me in the sense that in their support, you know, we bring the church with us wherever we go. We bring Christ in his church. And so helping people see that this mercy work is not just contained in in one little space, but that we sort of spread that where God calls us to go. So tell us more about the mercy work that you are doing in Kenya. You're preparing for a big trip, it's a project that's been that you've been working on for some time now. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so <laughs> where I am actually heading over on Monday in a few days to have a grand opening for what we hope to have a 42 inpatient palliative care and hospice center. And we're starting phase one, which is a clinic for the community and a six bed inpatient ward. And this is placed in rural Western Kenya in Homa Bay County. And our facility will actually serve a population of 5 million people. Wow. Yeah. So that story actually, I, I would say, kind of solidified in 2012 when I made a home visit to a man, this kind of a big strapping man and didn't know what was wrong. And we were asked to go visit him and he was having a lot of pain and he had a wound on his chest. And in Kenya, the doctors tend not to tell people what their diagnosis is. It's just a strange thing. You don't want to, you know, bring on sickness. They have this fear of bringing on sickness or death if you talk about it too much. But he had a little a little health card. And when I opened it, because I know how medical jargon is written, I noticed that he had left-sided breast cancer. Mm. And, you know, I looked at the wound and we dressed it. He was in extreme pain, so we were able to get him pain meds. But my last visit there, he actually held my hand and looked in my face and said, Sister, I'm dying. No one had told him his diagnosis. No one had talked to him about death. And I just said, I know. And we were able to pray and have this honest conversation. But he didn't have anywhere to go or didn't have anyone to care for him. You know, his wife was caring, but she was just unprepared. So we arranged for pain meds. But that that really stuck with me. And then I was working with Pastor David Chuchu in Kenya, and we just began this idea of we we got to we have to do something so that was 2012 and it's 2023 it's been a long dream but it's actually happening <laughs> it's very humbling and super exciting yeah that's amazing and that story would be so i i see how that would be so impactful for you to to have that need to do something about the situation that that you're witnessing what has that journey been like for you? Because that, that uh, this is a long time coming for you. How has that journey progressed? Who has helped you along the way? Yeah, you know, it's taught me a lot in that sometimes people will say, gosh, there's so many people over here that need help. Why Why Kenya? And I'm like, I don't, but this is <laughs> where God, God is, is 
placing me. And I think because I have such a trusted colleague in Kenya and we share the vision, I wouldn't be able to do this without him. But it's it's the idea of knowing that people are suffering and that the, that when we visit, when we come into their presence, we bring Christ in his mercy. And for people that are, are dying, because there's also stigma attached to that, there's just such a need to bring dignity and mercy, create a, a refuge for them. And even though sometimes I, we, I would look at this and go, I have no idea how this is going to happen and still say that sometimes it's like, okay, if this is what we're supposed to be doing, Lord, I'm just going <laughs> to leave it in your hands. And, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I will tell you that, but it's, it's been very humbling. And to see people come alongside this, this mercy project and help and donate money and pray and, and be there. It's, it's pretty amazing. What would you say to a woman who's, who, who like you, sees an opportunity to where there's a need for mercy work and is considering deaconess formation? What conversation might you have with her? Mm, actually, I've had several conversations with women. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that it, the office of deaconess it's kind of it's kind of like the great reversal, if you will, right? You know, Christ comes as a not as a mighty warrior, but as a, a helpless baby. And diaconal work is is kind of I would say hidden work. We're not really out in the public eye, but it's such it's such I don't want to say honorable work, but it's a it's a work. It's I it's such an honor to be able to serve. Christ and his people in this way and to have such great foundations given through the studies that you get at the seminary. And so, yeah, my my advice is always, hey, check it out. Call Deaconess Amy Rast in Fort Wayne. And I know there's a Deaconess Studies at St. Louis as well and talk with them and you know, often I will sit with and have coffee with these deaconesses or we email or talk on the phone. But yeah, there's a need for there's a need for this kind of work and there's a, a beauty to it that's that's kind of indescribable. What are you looking forward to? What are some of your favorite parts of this? What's I know I know that you have a big trip coming and, and a lot is gonna be happening for you. What are those highlights that you're looking forward to in the next weeks and months and years of, of working, <laughs> being able to serve the church in this way? Yeah, well, I think right now my my foremost is setting the stepping on this soil, right? This beautiful red dirt soil with my colleagues and husband and the community, and seeing this this dream come true and watching it watching it grow as God allows, and you know, and then continuing to be able to do this sacred work of being with people here in the States as well, in their most intimate times, their time of sorrow, their time of sickness, their vulnerable times, and being allowed to enter in. That, that's really quite, quite a privilege. 
Our guest today, Deaconess Pamela Bailey Silva, registered nurse, serving at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Rockland, California. She's also founding director of Always Mercy, a U.S. nonprofit supporting the work of Rahama Open Door, a hospice and palliative care center in Kenya. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. It was my delight. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.